Hello, my name is Danny Latoni, and you are listening to How It's Reported on the Emerald Podcast Network. Today with me, I have... James. James Croxon. What do you do at the Emerald? I am a film and TV reporter, focused mostly on film and TV. Myself, in particular, mostly focused on horror film and TV show. How long have you been at the Emerald, and then I guess more... Broadly, how long have you been doing news? So I've been with the Emerald since the beginning of this term. And in general, I've been working in news for about a year and a half. Started about a year and a half ago. I've always been into writing and and researching and lots of research. I've started three books. None of them have ever been finished. That's the story of my life. Uh, But this was the next step, working at the Torch and then the Emerald, the next step. Yeah, so you had the cover story last week, and that's talking about Ed's co-ed, yes. which was a silent film on campus. Correct. So uh, 1929, some older classmen, upperclassmen here at the University of Oregon decided they were going to make a silent film, a feature-length silent film nonetheless, which at the time was unheard of in terms of college filmmaking. Prior to this, there were a couple of short films from Harvard, but those, as far as I'm concerned, have been lost. So this is currently the first feature-length silent film made by college students. And what I found very interesting about the research and the history of it was its connection to U of O. You know, a lot of the buildings here look the same with minor alterations, and there's lots of history here. So I know that you had a whole Twitter thread that's basically walking us through your process of like delving into these archives and public records. What did what was your experience doing that? There were some difficult issues with doing the research in terms of special collections. One of the things I really wanted to do that I didn't get a chance to do was see the actual film reels and get them photographed. We had been in discussions. I had been told it would happen, then it wouldn't happen. By the time we had finally come together and reached some sort of decision, the only available time was going to be the week after it was published. Me and Ilana, my editor, worked pretty hard trying to get this figured out Although I didn't get a chance to see them before writing this, I do plan to see them at some point for my own personal research and continuing on with that. I'm all about physical media. I collect vinyl records. And so that to me is so unique and so cool. And it'd be really neat to see that. And these are not the original film reels. The original ones were on nitrate, and they were destroyed in the 60s mm-hmm. after some safety copies were made. And they were found, I believe, downstairs of the old Colonial Theater, which was off Alder Street at some point. How do you start on this story? As far as, like, I was not aware of this movie whatsoever. Yeah, I had no clue about the film until I took Dr. Aronson's History of uh, Motion Picture 1 class, which I'm in right now, and it was the first film we watched. And it was like, this is really cool. I want to really research this. And so I pitched it to my editors and immediately it was like, yeah, we got to do this. This is really cool. We can find a connection to current student filmmakers, which we did. And the bulk of me starting the research was the my professor had mentioned it in class and then said, oh, but anybody with the Daily Emerald in here, just know that you guys were really instrumental in helping this come to fruition. So I immediately went to the Emerald office and started going through all these archives, trying to find the first reference to Ed's co-ed, which 
happened in October of 28. So it took a lot of digging just to get to the first one. But after that, it was every day there was something in the paper about about the film and it made things so much easier. What role did the Daily Emerald play in that? You said it was instrumental. Yeah, so four individuals that were on the production staff for, well, for the Emerald were also involved with the production of the film. And in fact, one of the head people uh, here at the Emerald was the financial advisor or the head finance guy of the film. They made sure that the film was getting constant coverage and when they needed extras, they got extras. There were call lists in the back of every issue. It's really neat. So I know that, at least personally, a problem I have when reporting, especially if you have all of this backstory and you've done so much research, is condensing it and choosing what's important. Was that really difficult to do? Yes. I think I got to around 1,800, 2,000 words, and my limit was supposed to be a hard 1,200. Oh, Lord. The last literally few hours before like that Sunday it was we're cutting 600 words out and we just got to figure out how we're going to do this it was difficult but we got it done how did you and your editor decide what was essential to the story and what wasn't a lot of what I had researched ended up see when I research I go on tangents and so I ended up studying or focusing a lot of my research on the buildings on campus and so I the that part of the article read really tediously. It was really long. There was like 800 words of context building up to the film. And I was like, you know, I got to cut that out. Uh, talking with Donald Morrison, we figured this out. And and Michael Tobin really helped me pick and choose what was really at the heart of the story in terms of buildings and what I could leave in and what really didn't need to be left in. Is this your first real, like, having to cut down hundreds of words from a story, or have you had this happen quite frequently? I have a really bad habit of overwriting, writing way too much. Uh, Not necessarily a bad thing, but it is a detriment when I am limited to a certain space in a newspaper. This is not the only newspaper I work at, and I, in my other newspaper, I have had to really cut back. I did a review of the uh, Disorient Asian American Film Festival here at the University of Oregon for The Torch at Lake Community College. I think I ended up publishing an extended version with an extra thousand words on my personal blog. So then what would you say is the key advice that you've learned? Obviously, you might still be learning on cutting back and making your writing very concise. Have really good editors. It's as simple as that. You know, when it comes to me personally, I can try my best, but I'm always going to come out 200 words, 300 words over. I just can't seem to, like, I haven't found that balance yet, but working with several editors at one time, especially when you have four working on your document at one time, it really helps watching all that come together. And you do learn, you know, what lead-in sentences are necessary or which aren't. There's lots of tricks that you learn from your editors. How does something like Ed's co-ed stand against something like Animal House? Our university, in case people don't know, was like the setting for National Lampoon's Animal House. And so obviously there's been a history of film on this campus. Don't quote me on this, but I believe I've read or heard that that film was shopped around to several 
college campuses and was declined at every single one until like a fake script or something got presented here. And they were like, yeah, go for it. I've heard that too. <laughs> so, well, they're both comedies. Ed's co-ed, though, is historically much more of a significant film simply for the fact that you have was essentially a, a professional level production being done by a bunch of amateurs. Animal House was not that. How would you say that having films shot here or this history of film, especially if it was the first like feature length student run silent film, how would you say that that benefits our campus in the richness of culture or what would you say is the significance? There's a couple things. Uh, one, there's still a thriving filmmaking community here on campus. We have Duck TV. We have the podcast. We have other sorts of medias that, who knows, they may not have existed had Ed's co-ed not happened. It has a cultural significance for the community. One of the most important aspects of the film is the Eugene Mill Race, which back then there were canoe festivals every weekend. And then when it dried up, it became uh, floats. Now it's dried up and there's nothing. But culturally, uh, for the community of Eugene, the mill race was the heart of the industrial life. And so seeing Ed's Cohen and having it available for us to watch on the Night Library YouTube channel is extremely great for the community because we get to see what it looked like in 1929. Uh, one of my favorite scenes of the film is when Buddy, the uh, sophomore prankster, is roller skating down University Avenue. And to his right, you see a pretty newly constructed MacArthur court. And then on the other side, you see the Pioneer Cemetery. But the Pioneer Cemetery isn't as raised off the road. So there's little stuff like that, I think, culturally and historically for the community is really cool to see. You know, the last week after I published the cover story, I went and did a Twitter thread where I went around to all the various buildings that were in the film, and I got snapshots of them, and the mill race was one I was not able to do. I wanted to, but it was hard to find that part of the mill race that was in the film because it's so deteriorated now. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, campus is constantly on construction. Franklin Boulevard is, in, like, I don't think there's been a moment, and I've only been here for almost two years, so take this with a grain of salt but there hasn't been a moment since I moved here to Eugene that same it hasn't been in construction it's kind of crazy so I imagine that it's changed a lot certainly but some things haven't changed you know a lot of the buildings here on campus do look mostly the same you know with minor alterations done in the 60s or 50s you mentioned earlier that your beat is essentially movies especially if it's horror um what got you on that beat it's my i i a film historian. I love films. I'm a cinema studies major here at the campus. And when I was initially asked to submit my application and the first question I was asked was, what do you want to write about? I said, film and TV. That's something I had been wanting to write about for a publication, but just hadn't been given the opportunity. That was what I decided to do. And I, I love it. Where do you see yourself going post all of this? Well, I've got a few years left here years left here at the Emerald, hopefully, after which I would like to write for online film publications. Frankly, the print publications are just aren't happening anymore, especially in the film industry. But online, there are a lot of really niche horror communities and, and websites, and I could find a home there. Yeah, 
I guess, what is your favorite horror movie of all time? And what is the w- one that you've seen most recently? It's tough. I grew up on Hellraiser, the first one. Love Cannibal Holocaust. Chopping Mall is a guilty pleasure of mine. Really trashy film. I, I would have to say Hellraiser. I rewatched Prometheus for like the 40th time a couple days ago. I've been watching Netflix TV for the last couple days. So mm-hmm. I know that you've just started this term. What kind of pieces would you like to write in the future? I would really like to write a critical piece. It's been pitched, kind of thinking about it in the back of my head, on uh, deaf actors and actresses not getting cast in their respective roles. As a child of deaf parents, that's something that's always been a part of my life, and I've struggled to see roles not being cast by who they should necessarily be cast by. Lately, I've been writing a lot about Marvel, what's going on with the whole Spider-Man property, and my next article is on streaming, and I just published one on James Dean being cast in a film that's a whole other story (laughs) that I will not get into. All right. Is there anything you want to touch on before we wrap up? Follow me on Twitter, JW Croxton, C-R-O-X-T-O-N, exactly how it sounds. Well, thank you for coming on and having this discussion. It's nice to finally meet you. You're very welcome. Thank you.